What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 62nd draft of the Untitled Movie Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside my BFCA buddy, Eric Marchin. Hey, Matt, how are you? I'm good, dude. How about you? Well, uh, we should say right up front that we're practicing uh, social distancing uh, because we were, are not in the same room this time uh, around as we normally are. Yes. Um, as I'm sure many people know that are listening to this, there is a lot going on right now. Um, the I don't even know how to really explain this because it's, it's kind of surreal and, uh, and weird. But um, basically, uh, I mean, there's nothing really to explain because if you're listening to this, you already know what's going on. But yeah, Eric and I... Um, out of an abundance of caution, which seems to be the the, the phrase everyone's using, uh, we are uh, kind of self-isolating a little bit and uh, practicing social distancing. So uh, Eric is at his home in Whitby. I am at uh, yes. my condo in Toronto where we usually record. Um, and we talked about this, uh, Eric, Eric and I, of like whether we should just kind of put the podcast on hold for a little bit and, and, and wait this out and just, you know, I don't part of me goes maybe this isn't the time to be you know um talking about uh you know frivolous things like entertainment but also there's a lot going on in the entertainment industry i feel like i don't know i'm sure you feel the same way eric this podcast is a little cathartic for both of us every week when we try to do this yeah, and we haven't recorded in a while and i feel like and i feel like in a way we i mean we have also been off for a couple of weeks before this really became the pandemic that it is. But at the same time, I think it's good to talk about it and and, and, and open up uh, a, a form of communication, a line of communication with, you know, people that do listen to the show and, and you know, have this conversation and, and, you know, let people know that they're not alone and, you know, that everybody is going through it and one way or another – and it's going to be okay. It just takes time. And I think right now with, as mentioned, with the social distancing and shutting down of a lot of, you know, major stores and crowd events and festivals in in the near future, it's not anything to be worried about in a kind of fear mongering way. It's just to sort of nip this thing in the bud, you know, like to get this thing on lockdown as soon as possible so it doesn't become worse and you know like the virus doesn't mutate or become something else so i think yeah. this is probably the best way to handle the situation i totally agree i couldn't have said it better myself so like i i totally agree that while this may seem like everyone's acting you know a little crazy or maybe a little overboard i i, I totally agree with you in the sense that i think we need to get ahead of this and i think being overly cautious is a good thing which is why i mean i'll talk about my my trip to california on this show but even me recently traveling i mean it was only you know just a week and a half ago when i left and i was at disney world um or disneyland exactly seven days ago um it it could the climate completely changed when i came back within the last you know 48 plus hours um and and it's amazing how quickly and, I don't know, i'm just being yeah and i'm just being overly cautious too right like so i i am i mean both nevis and i are working from home in the foreseeable future we'll be talking about i mean tiff in a little bit they just put out an announcement that they're shutting down uh tiff bell Lightbox for a month which i think is a good call but we'll go through um all of that a little bit later but uh yeah i think it's just i don't know for me it's just 
it might seem extreme, but if you're listening to this, I, I hope you are practicing some of these things that are recommended. Try to stay home. I know that sucks. Uh, try not to go out to big crowded spaces. I mean, it's weird for Eric and I to be telling you, do not go to the movies right now. I really believe that <laughs> as much as some companies are only selling 50% tickets and they're saying that they're cleaning the theaters more often. I just feel like, I mean, there's lots of content you can watch at home. Um, spend time with your loved ones that you, whether you live with them or um, as long as you know, you're both in, in good health. And if you have any symptoms at all, I would say stay away from, from a lot of, and all of that. But um, yeah, it's a from weird the time. Elderly man. So, yeah. and, and from the very young specifically, like for example, like yeah. right now i'm fine but um i've i've imposed a, a self-imposed uh a quarantine um because i was at the screening for bloodshot uh on on wednesday and i've been helping out at at home and also with my grandparents my grandparents are you know my grandfather's 91 and my grandmother is uh, 86 so i don't want to get them sick so for the next 14 days or so i'm not going to you know be doing anything in terms of being in in the vicinity of their their apartment so you know it's just like those kind of things are important to take into consideration and and, and also be hyper aware of you know washing your hands more constantly and, and if you have purel use that but i mean those are good things to practice in general just in terms of cleanliness and and hygiene so I totally agree. Yeah. I mean, with me coming back from traveling, I'm just trying to do that 14 day kind of uh, self isolation kind of thing and stay away. Like I feel perfectly, I, it's been a week and a half since I traveled and I, I, I feel totally fine, but it's just, again, that, that saying that keeps going around out of an abundance of caution. And we, I've gotten about 400 emails from different companies, um, talking about that, but, um, yeah. How are you holding up anyway? How is it over in the suburbs in, in Whippy? Uh, fine. I mean, to be honest, I really haven't noticed too much of a difference. And it's weird. I, I've been talking to, you know, family and, and, and friends uh, about it. Like, yeah, it, it's, it's concerning. But I, I remember being more afraid with the with the SARS scare, you know, and like with what was going on back in 2002, 2003 with, with that than I am now and maybe it's just because you you get older and you look at it in a different manner and you get the information that's available but because of what happened uh with SARS I feel Toronto was more prepared for something like this and like the other thing I remember with the with uh you know the Rolling Stones and uh ACDC doing a benefit concert was um Justin Timberlake was there and when he was doing his sort of set. And I think he did a song with ACDC. People were throwing water bottles at him. And I remembered it at him. Yeah. And, and I remember like thinking like, why would anybody do that? Yeah. Like if you don't like his music, that's one thing that's fine. But like this guy's taking time out of his schedule to, you know, help. And like, you're treating him, you know, less than human. And it's just, it was, it was just a weird thing that I thought of when, when, when thinking about all of this. So. Yeah. yeah, SARS stock was definitely interesting. But yeah, I mean, I kind of feel the opposite in the sense that um, while this, albeit isn't maybe um, as deadly as something as like SARS, I just feel like in the age of social media and um, uh, living extremely online, I felt like it's um, 
there's not, I'm not necessarily saying it's fear mongering or anything like that, but I feel like there's a sense of urgency and panic from a lot of people that I think you get from being so online where in 2003, like you were mentioning, maybe with, uh, we didn't have Twitter, we didn't have, um, or maybe we did have Twitter, but maybe it was, did we? No, wait, what am I thinking? No, I don't think we Twitter. did. Did we even um, have no, no. Facebook at that point? No, no, no. That's, that's er- way early. I, I forget what year we're in and how long ago that was. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm finding with um, being on social media nonstop, it's actually making it um, seem scarier um, than right. what I You could remember, say that but- the disease is actually an online thing, like it's an online illness because more people are infected online, infecting others by, you know, fear mongering and putting, you know, photos of, you know, empty shelves and stores toilet paper being, and- yeah, toilet paper being gone. And it's like, okay. I, I get it, but it's not it's not the apocalypse either. And like the disease or the illness isn't as bad as 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 people are are making it out to be, but it's it's the propaganda of it all that is kind of making people a little bit more uh on edge. And and I guess also just because there hasn't been this kind of precedent for shutting as much of, you know, these kind of main places down as we have thought and having, you know, like China and and Korea specifically being able to get a hold of it, but at the same time, you know, places like Italy um, still very much, uh, you know, in lockdown. So yeah, it's 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 interesting because it's a global thing. Like it's not just like in one country that you read about in a newspaper saying like, oh, this country you know, is unfortunately uh, savaged by this particular disease or this thing that's going on and it's far away from us. Like it's happening worldwide almost simultaneously. Yeah. And it's interesting. I mean, obviously playing in the field of entertainment is just, I don't think it really set in for a lot of people until uh, a couple nights ago when the news came out that uh, Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson uh, were infected with the virus and as well as um, sports shutting down like the NBA, the NHL, uh, the MLB, all of that. Like, I feel like that evening, um, I think it was in the evening when all that stuff started to come out is when it's really started to hit hit to people and it's it's weird that it takes a thing like that but i think until it starts to whether it's affect um your life and the things that you enjoy like watching sports or whether it affects someone who's as loved and as celebrated and as famous as tom hanks is when it finally uh kind of started to hit people and then i felt like that was the domino effect and then we started seeing you know oh fuck we really do need to take you know some steps to try to get ahead of this um both in the united states and here in in canada and i felt like the 48 hours since kind of those announcements and i know it was kind of over the last month or so i remember even during my trip i i I was very cautious because it was it was at that time where it started to become a little bit more serious but i already had this work trip booked and i was like you know what as long as i take precautions like uh, Purell and washing my hands constantly, I should be okay. Like, but I feel like if I, if that trip was booked for, you know, later that, that, that week, or maybe early into this week, I probably wouldn't have gone to Disneyland or tried to, or I wouldn't have done some of the things that I did or even wanted to travel. So, um, it's been a, it's been a surreal and, and, and crazy, you know, last couple days and, and we're seeing that domino effect trickle through to, uh, to everything. And it, it's pretty wild. 
Yeah, and 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 even when you know uh, you left for LA, the announcement of uh, you know the new James Bond movie being delayed uh, it, from April to November was kind of the beginning of that in terms of the yeah. you know, entertainment landscape. And it was like, okay, well now people are taking this seriously because Bond is an international franchise and it makes its money worldwide. So it moving from April to uh, the second last month of the year signified that, okay, well now studios might actually be considering to move all of these other, you know, film properties and franchises because, you know, the, the, the bottom line is the bottom dollar. And, you know, even though it's only kind of affecting a couple sectors at the moment, it's business as usual for a lot of people. But then again, it became a global thing and it became a pandemic. And so now, you know, you have, you have to stop everything in order to restart. You know, it's, it's like rebooting a computer. You need to get to the problem before, uh, you know, you, you go on to, you know, the things that you're normally used to doing, whether it be work or, um, you know, pleasure or, 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 or biz or travel, that kind of thing. Like it's, it's something that I think a lot of people in this day and age is again with social media and, and, and living online that we are so work driven and focused on, you know, ourselves that we don't take the time to sort of step back and breathe for a moment and really assess the situation. And I think this has really done that in in more ways than one and it affected everybody in some capacity and especially now with you know people staying at home and 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 you know keeping vigil in terms of news and information that's coming out from you know who and stuff like that so it's 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 pretty important yeah man and again i'll reiterate this that i just feel like um just try to stay home i know it's hard (laughs) <laughs> it's hard to do that. And I mean, even Nevis and I uh, went out this morning and I mean, I'm not saying like never don't leave your house or your apartment or, or whatever, but I mean, try to avoid large crowds, try to avoid going to the movies um, things like that. So, I mean, we went for a walk today. I still, I, I still went to get Starbucks and I, I, we went for a, a walk around the block and bumped into some friends of ours who are also doing some groceries. Um, Nevis and I went to the grocery store at uh, 8 AM Friday morning and, um, it, 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 this whole thing is weird because like everyone has been pretty calm, uh, at least in my area and in, in West Queen West. And like we went to the Fresh Co, which is um, near our near our apartment, and um, it was very like much busier than you would normally see it at eight a.m. But um, we got you know because. I'll be honest, I eat out a lot, things like that. And and Nevis and I hadn't done a good grocery in a while because I was traveling and we've just been busy. So, uh, but with everything that's going on again, I'm trying to avoid, you know, uh, close contact with people and trying to avoid ordering things on Uber Eats and going to restaurants. So we did a, a big grocery and it's not that hoarding mentality. It's just like, oh, fuck, we need some food to eat because we're not really going to go out that much but then the toilet paper thing is the most bizarre but like everyone was pretty calm like there were long lineups but i didn't see anyone panicking or or fighting i mean a lot of the shelves were kind of empty with certain things but i feel like those things will get restocked in the next couple days and if we take note from what other countries are doing and we're starting to see things slowly and slowly shut down any large gatherings of people i mean only the necessities really should be open like grocery stores and pharmacies and things like that and then try to avoid stations and stuff like that yeah and it 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 also helps not over yeah and it also helps not overwhelm the uh the hospitals as well which is which is important because you know if you can avoid 
getting somebody sick and sending them to the hospital, that's, you know, key and sort of overflow and, and, and what have you. So, yeah. So the toilet paper thing, I mean, Nevis tweeted out my, my quote is just the weirdest thing to me because I'm just like, I was every person I talked to, I'm like, why out of everything are we hoarding toilet paper? Are so many people worried about having like a, I, I just jump in the shower. If there's no toilet paper. Oh anywhere, God, just, here we like, go. <laughs> I just I don't get it. Am I wrong? Like No, I, no, it's like, it's it's a creature comfort, but at the same time, like it is odd that like that's the thing that is is selling out because I mean I, I even texted you about it. If you go on eBay right now, toilet paper is not only selling at ridiculous prices from you know one hundred to two hundred dollars Canadian or American, but there are bidding wars for like you know Charmin and 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 things like that. So it it, it is fucking kind doesn't of, make any sense. It, again, it's online, right? Like, so it's all fear mongering. Where, like, you know, yesterday, you know, I went to the store to get some stuff, and the toilet paper was sold out. But somebody brought out a a, a box of it, and there was a line for it. But at the same time, it wasn't like. You know, people were, you know, trying to push and shove to grab it. Everybody, you know, took what they needed and then they went on their way. And and that's how it is. It's just it is strange because like like out of all the necessities of life, you would think toilet paper would probably be maybe in like the top 25, 30 bottom half of that where like water, canned foods, non-perishable yeah. food items would be the highest. And, and you know, things like uh, – uh, lights uh, uh generators that kind of thing in in the suburbs and and what have you would also kind of be higher up i mean it's also been funny because like you've seen like photos of like water bottles being you know out of stock with the exception of uh dasani so Dasani, yeah <laughs> yeah no one wants no to drink dasani yeah it's the toilet just wash your ass in the shower people if you run out it's not that hard it like it'll be weird but i mean come on um other than that like i guess we can do you want to talk about everything that's gotten like you know delayed and and things like that i I think so i think since we're on this kind of path we should probably just keep talking about what's been in what's been infected or what has been sort of affected by uh this this change and how quickly these things have changed because it feels like every day there's something new that's 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 either been delayed or has now been closed and even though in Canada we haven't gotten an official government shutdown as of as of yet um you know uh, uh there are a lot of people and businesses as you mentioned small businesses that are suffering because of that so yeah, and those are the ones I mean, as much as I'm telling people to stay home is like, I, I feel bad for those small businesses, but I just feel like it's what we kind of need to do right now. And I mean, I'm hoping the government and other people, you know, step in to help these places if they if they need it in these times. I know there's been calls that people shouldn't have to, you know, pay rent and different things like that, because that's really what's going to, you know, fuck over the bottom line on some of these places and even people in general, too, that are out of work because they have to stay home because of this. And there's tons going on. Like I do like as much as I say, Cineplex and, and TIFF and all these places need to close down. I do feel bad to the workers that and I hope these companies take care of them, especially the ones like Cineplex that can afford to take, uh, you know, 
I know the theater industry is hurting, but I mean, it's, you should take care of your employees or I know the government's stepping in to try and, you know, eliminate the wait period for unemployment and different things like that. So there are things that are helping for that, but we're seeing it like, you know, a lot of the sports leagues are taking care of their employees and I hope we see that uh, across the board, but yeah, let's go through and, um, and kind of, I have a list here that's from the wrap, um, that kind of lists all the movies that are suspended or delayed, uh, uh, because of this pandemic. So Eric, you brought up the first one, which is, yeah, technically the, the probably is the one that got the domino rolling on a lot of this stuff is, um, is no time to die. So, uh, was supposed to come out in April, uh, is now pushed to November, uh, of this year. Um, so tickets were already on sale. People were getting prepped for the release of that movie and, uh, they were marketing was in full swing. Daniel Craig was on SNL. Like, like it was literally, you know, a countdown clock to this movie coming out. And then, you know, a couple days into the coronavirus kind of spreading into Italy and still being very much um, a factor in China, you know, the broccoli family and MGM and universal decided, okay, we're going to, we're going to move this to uh, November. And it wasn't because, you know, there were, there were problems with the movie itself. It's done, even though it has had a, a, a kind of, uh, spotted history in terms of its production. Um, this was just clearly, uh, you know, looking at it at a, at a market value kind of thing. And like, if they were to release it in April, they probably would lose a lot of money considering. So they moved it to November. Yeah. Um, and I remember you and our, our friend Ben Shane messaged me when I was on my way to California. I think I was on the plane or maybe it was after, or I don't know, I read it, but that was the first thing of going like, oh, fuck. And then it started to trickle out from there. So uh, the other big release, um, literally days before it was supposed to come out, A Quiet Place Part 2 uh, was uh, indefinitely, you know, postponed until further noticed. So, uh, that's crazy because that movie had already premiered. Uh, it had, uh, uh, critic screenings in, in LA. Um, and, uh, and it, it got pulled right before its release and there's no release date on it now, whether they're going to hold it for, uh, you know, late this year, much like no time to die, or maybe they're just going to wait for, you know, this to get better and then release it soon after that. It'll be interesting how, uh, Paramount, uh, Paramount, correct. Um, yes, Paramount. Yeah. Uh, uh, proceeds with that. So, I mean, it, it already had reviews coming out. Um, uh, our and screening it was pretty was positive. Supposed to, yeah. Like our screening was like days away before it got uh, pulled, right? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Wednesday night of its release, and then you and, and Nevis were going to go and see it on on Thursday, right? So, like, yeah. it was so close. And then I think this is the one. I think that's the movie that's been hurt the most by because when the first one came out, I mean, there wasn't the expectation that I'm sure this one has. But at the same time, it's like. It's only days away. It has screened. It's there. And it's like it must have been a hard decision for, you know, the people involved and, and the studio because, you know, this was a, a movie that probably would have made quite a bit of money, um, especially in April, because it doesn't have much to compete against. And you think like, OK, well, maybe when everything is is gotten better, maybe they would release it at the end of October because 
it might be a good kind of Halloween kind of movie to to release during that season or that period. Um, but then you have to now think like, well, it's being released in award season. So, you know, like to, how, how does that affect it in terms of box office and, and things like that? And there are other horror movies that are released around that time as well. And, you know, Paramount also had to delay um, the lovebirds. Uh, so like it's, it, you know, it's it's more than one movie for them that was coming out in the spring um, that they're looking at. You know, these movies probably would benefit. I mean, they probably wouldn't do that well even without the coronavirus. I'm speaking specifically about the Lovebirds. So with this going on, like, I mean, how much would a movie like that make anyways? You know? Yeah, I'd be I'd be curious with something like the Lovebirds if it would make sense. I know Paramount's partnered with Netflix on stuff um, as well. Like that would be the one from them that, to me, um, I could see them making a deal to pop up on Netflix or or hold it. I'm not sure. And then they also had Blue Story, um, which was supposed to come out March 20th and also got delayed on the Paramount front. Um, yeah, and, yeah and, and love- Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, and Lovebirds as well. Like, if if we wanted to segue um, and and come back to some of the other movies, but Lovebirds was also going to play at South by Southwest. Yeah, which um, they have announced. Uh, I mean, South by Southwest got canceled. That was a big one. Um, and yeah, our friend are, Ben our- Shane was was going to be there, and that's really yeah. unfortunate for him. And again, all the small businesses that benefit from. Um, you know, people coming in, all the freelancers that depend on working on on that, all the smaller movies that don't have distribution or sort of any buzz behind them, you know, benefit from a festival like that and a platform like that because South by Southwest is is a big enough entity at this point to sustain those things. And it's the same thing with, you know, Hot Docs uh, announcing that they've postponed uh their festival, which is, which is a great outlet for documentary filmmakers. Yeah. Two huge losses. I know that, um, South by Southwest is going to continue with their, um, in competition films through online screeners where their jury will watch the movies and still award those by the end of the month, which I think is great. Um, but yeah, and and, and other outlets are doing, uh, um, reviews of certain films as well so like even though they're not getting the audience response they will get a little bit of ink when it comes to um you know reviews and writing and stuff like that and maybe distribution down the line but it's unfortunate because again like a lot of these movies depend on that and it shows you as well how important you know a festival can be yeah um, Peter Rabbit to the runaway, uh, was pushed now to August 7th. So it won't get that Easter money. Maybe, I don't know, but, um, that gets pushed to a little bit later this year. Cause it was supposed to come out, I think at the end of March, um, another, the big, a gigantic one. Um, uh, I just rewatched this. You guys know this very well. I, I talked about Nevis's and I's journey throughout fast and furious this year. Uh, F nine, uh, has been delayed, uh, until April 2nd, 2021. So an entire year delay for fast and furious nine crazy. And it's now coming out the same day as fast 10. For uh, now. Technically. Yes. Yeah. I- I'm sure. I'd be curious to see if they do the, if they do the two movies in one year thing, or I mean the shoot, they haven't even started shooting F10, right. Or 
fast. I thought they were kind of doing the same thing that like uh, the Matrix sequels and the last two Avengers movies did where they were actually shooting simultaneously both back to back. Because, right. I mean, they, they have the production kind of set up as it is. But it would be interesting. I, like, I could see both of those movies coming out in the same year. I mean, it would be funny if they just decided, you know what, why don't we make, like, this four-hour epic now since we're, you know, already a, a, a year delayed. Um, but, yeah, it, it, it will be interesting to see once the dust settles how everything kind of is put back together with that one because – that was a big one. And I remember like Vin Diesel was saying like, no, this movie is coming out no matter what. And, and I mean, you know, it's like, not really like, up to Vin. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> but, yeah. um, I mean, bloodshots in theaters for now. And, and uh, unfortunately yeah. that is not a good movie. Um, so he'll have to make do with that. Um, I could see, I don't think that they'll combine them, but I think you'll get fast. And I think you could possibly get fast and furious nine, um on april 2nd and then maybe fast 10 um like in the fall slash winter i could see that happening but um or they'll they'll just push it another year so um we'll get the final installment in 2022 but um a a crazy delay for a movie that was supposed to come out in you know a month and a half or so um tickets were already on sale for that as well and and the marketing was in full force so um pretty pretty crazy um what else do we got here? The artist's wife um, was delayed. Uh, no new release date uh, has been set. Um, that's the Bruce Dern uh, film. Uh, I don't know much about it, but... Um, I don't either. Uh, the Truth, uh, which played at uh, TIFF last year, which I, I saw. Did you see it, Eric? Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, Did I didn't. Um, it uh, got pushed from March 20th to an unspecified date in summer 2020. Um, most recently, uh, a trio of Disney um, and Fox and Fox Searchlight films got delayed. So uh, Mulan, which was supposed to open next week, um, indefinitely postponed. Uh, New Mutants, God bless it. it. I don't know if it'll ever come out. Uh, it's uh, The cast is going to be elderly by the time we see that movie. Uh, it was meant to open April It'll be 3rd. like the it, Up series. Yeah. Um, no new release date has been uh, set for that, as well as uh, Antlers, which is the Scott Cooper uh, horror movie that Searchlight was going to put out on April 17th. That was also indefinitely delayed. Um Pretty crazy. Mulan was supposed to come out next week. Uh, both you and I already RSVP'd to the uh, premiere and critic screenings. Those got uh, canned, obviously. Um, yeah, we were a week away from Mulan. Uh, New Mutants, it's just an ongoing joke now that that movie keeps getting delayed and is probably cursed. It should be on Jay Chiel's new show, um, which is going to be on Shutter soon, I think, at the end of this month, right? Um, and, uh, and then Antlers, which... Um, yeah i don't know man crazy um on top of that uh, moving on with more disney and marvel stuff they've put a hold on every film that they are shooting right now i believe so uh that includes the live action rob marshall little mermaid movie uh that uh marvel studio shang chi and the legend of the ten rings um and also daniel uh destin daniel cretton um, has been tested for coronavirus and is self-isolating because he hasn't been feeling well. Um, this also includes The Last Duel, which if you've seen the, um, the, the set photos that have been photos. released recently. 
Yeah, uh, that has uh, been put on hold. So I guess those guys have to look like that for longer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and then uh, that's Disney stuff that's been put on hold. Um, Universal put the Billy Eichner um, movie Bros on hold. Uh, I'm just going to run yeah, through yeah, this, dude. Yeah. We can talk about it as a whole. Um, uh, in Toronto, we um, Nightmare Alley, which is uh, Guillermo del Toro's new movie, um, was put on hold, as well as the um, Jason Momoa series uh, C has been put on hold here. Uh, back to Disney, uh, shrunk, um, the honey, I shrunk the kids sequel, um, with, uh, Rick Moranis is, um, was only in pre-production, but it has been postponed, uh, the start of that. Um, so screen gems, uh, shrine has been put on a hiatus. The home alone reboot has been put on hiatus, uh, Peter Pan and Wendy, which is another live action, uh, Disney, uh, uh, directed by David Lowry has been put on hold. Uh, the Ryan Murphy series, the, uh, the prom, uh, or sorry, it might be a movie. Um, is the prom a movie? Yeah, whatever. Um, obviously the Elvis movie, the Boz Lerman movie, which, um, Tom Hanks is in, um, they both, uh, him and his wife, Rita Wilson, as I mentioned earlier, tested positive for, for COVID-19. So, uh, that has been put on hold indefinitely. Uh, Mission Possible 7, uh, which was one of the first things that kind of got put on hold because it was going to be shooting in Venice, Italy. And um, because of everything going on there, that got put on hold. Uh, the Nightingale, not the Jennifer Kent movie that came out last year, but the uh, Dakota and Elle Fanning um, movie got uh, delayed. Birds of Paradise, uh, the Amazon Studios production, got put on hold. Uh, Jurassic World Dominion. Um, put on hold uh, Flint strong put on hold man from Toronto um, uh, Jason Statham dropped out. I don't think it had anything to do with this, but then Woody Harrelson um, signed on for uh, that role uh, starring Woody Harrelson and Kevin Hart uh, put us uh, a hold on the production of that. Oh my God, there's a lot of stuff. And then the final thing here, it says official competition, which is a Spanish movie with Penelope Cruz and Antonio Banderas has put on hold and i think there's probably even more i don't know what i'm missing there but um as you can see a huge impact to hollywood and uh um it it's uh crazy yeah i just uh i just texted you uh my headphones aren't working i saw it it, sh- it sounds fine okay so, yeah it's okay if it, i'm just coming out of yeah, the computer yeah. now or what? sorry about that that's fine we should Whatever. just say again you know this is uh a very experimental episode my headphones like literally just stopped working yeah like died or something yeah no worries i i can't hear an echo or something so it should be okay so um no worries um but yeah man so um a metric uh ton of things being whether it's movies that have been finished being um pushed out or um uh, movies that are in production that have been halted so this is going to have a huge huge impact on the industry and i think um i mean this is just kind of the the beginning of it because i'm sure you know, we'll hear even more movies getting delayed in the next, you know, week or stuff that was supposed to like go into Um, production early on, but it's uh, weird because like, I'm sure you mentioned it. So again, because I apologize for uh, the headphones uh, debacle there, but um, Warner brothers is still going ahead with the Batman, which is currently filming. And they're about to start shooting the third uh, fantastic beast movie in um, I think Japan. So 
Yeah, and they've also haven't yeah. stopped production on the Matrix films either, or the film, the sequel that they're doing. Yeah, I didn't mention it, so that's a great point. Um, interesting <laughs> choice. Um, uh, I I don't know, man. I think like I I mean we've seen holdouts. I think even in the last couple of days. I mean, you're I I think. I mean, you saw certain companies uh, put out memos that they weren't going to close and that they were just going to implement some social distancing policies, but they weren't forcing people to stay away. So, but then some of those companies have kind of, you know, uh, after thinking about it for a couple of days, uh, Mervish being one of them, they originally were going to be like, no, our plays are going to go on as uh, as advertised. And then today sent out a notice that um, they have put an indefinite hold on all of their productions in Toronto. So I also saw Hamilton right before this too, last, uh, actually just on Wednesday or Tuesday. Um, and uh that notice came out today that all Hamilton performances have, have been stopped. And so I am curious with, with Warner brothers, if they're going to stick to this or they feel like the areas that they're shooting in, um, if I was part of their, their crew right now, I'd be kind of, you know, uh, worried and wondering why they're, uh, you know, I, I don't know. That's a tough one. I just, I feel like they need to maybe you got to take, yeah, I mean, if every other studio is kind of doing that, I mean, not everyone, but I think most productions. Well, yeah, are being well, I put mean, even like now, the right? streaming services that have something either going into production or currently in production are also, you know, um, stopping the, the 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 actual filming of stuff. Like like Netflix and and Disney Plus had uh, productions that were in the works and that were currently filming, and they've decided to. Um, halt on those as well. So I, I think like at this point right now, it's it's best to kind of maybe push pause on these things and and let the situation run its course and then get back to it when you can. And 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 I understand that like there are scheduling conflicts and not everybody's schedule can line up perfectly, but at the same time, this is something that is affecting everybody. So it's not like, you know, you're being blamed for one production being halted. It's it literally has affected everybody in the same way. So, you know, no one's going to hold it against you or nobody like you're not competing against anybody at this point anyways, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, for me looking at the release schedule, I mean, for the next month or so, it's looking pretty grim, but, um, I could see trolls world tour probably moving out of that April 10th spot soon. Um, I mean, my spy well, already it, got delayed in, a month. In the U S um, it's, it is actually playing now again. in Toronto. Yeah. And in, in Canada, although oh, I mean, here, again, yeah. with TIFF yeah. announcing that they're closing their doors for at least a month, I'm sure Cineplex and landmark will follow suit um at at some point in the next few days if if not by the end of the weekend as we're recording this um i it's yeah and it's it's yeah, a shame I think they have I, the, the choice, movies i feel really. the I the worst about or or really bad for are the smaller movies like my spy will make money when it's out on streaming or you know blu-ray or dvd but like a smaller movie like kelly reichardt's first cow you know, is, is a really wonderful little film. And yeah, it's playing at the varsity cineplex and, and the light box. Um, but that's not a move. That's a movie that can't recoup. It's, it's, it's revenue because a 24 
in the U.S. is such a small company that when they release a movie, they have to release it when they they did it. And unfortunately, you know, this came out just as things were beginning to shut down. And it, it makes me even kind of feel a little bit sad about um, the Eliza Hitman uh, movie that's coming out uh, that's already out released in the U.S., in limited release, uh, never rarely, sometimes always, and going to be released in limited or or tentatively released in limited uh, in Canada next weekend, which is a, a great pro-choice uh, uh, movie and, and really powerful character study that, again, is a film that needs time to build and, you know, needs word of mouth and momentum where, you know, this is like – the worst time to release it because of what's going on in the world. And it's just unfortunate because it's such a great movie. So, yeah. Yeah, man. Um, Cause yeah, the ne- I, I, even something like promising young woman, which you talked about on the show a couple weeks ago, I know it's over a month away, but um, I guess that would be the, I think stuff that's April 17th and, and further for will probably being. stick there for a little while. Yeah. But uh, even something like Black Widow on May 1st, I think Disney will be uh, keeping an eye out on on the situation over the next month. And I mean, I think that's an, yeah. uh, what we all kind of just have to do, right? Like take it day by day, week, week by week. And I mean, even for someone like myself who's getting married in europe this year uh in not this year in three months um it's been a stressful kind of thing just monitoring everything and 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 keeping an eye on stuff and um and you can't really i get the the people who because i'm in the same boat of just going all right it's it's worrisome a little bit but we kind of have to you know monitor the situation and, and see how it plays out over the next you know two to four weeks and and yeah and, and it's become a day by day thing like there, the, the right? thing is like so. with um the, the the flight over to um croatia is it, it stops in in venice right so at at this moment as we're talking yeah. it's it's for most you know, of it's us impossible yeah. to go to venice um but in a couple of months from now maybe that's going to change and 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 uh you know the airline that we're with has sent out an email that they'll be monitoring the situation as well. And that if we feel it, it, you know, that we need to, we can change the flight before March 31st, but I'm sure they'll extend that deadline, you know, further out because again, you can't predict how long this will be. Yeah, man. So yeah, it's, um, it's definitely, um, insane, but, um, how do you think this before we move on, I guess, to other stuff, but how do you think this impacts the industry as a whole? Cause I I've seen some people talk about that. Like this could be the nail in the coffin for multiplexes in general. Um, do you think it's that extreme? Do you think uh, it bounces back after this? Um, do you think some of these movies maybe move to streaming services? Uh, who's going to be the first company to kind of, you know, make a big move on that? I know Disney announced that Frozen 2 will be on Disney Plus three months earlier than they planned it, uh, obviously, to kind of not make up for, but kind of give people something for the kids, you know, yeah, to watch at home right? um, if so. they have Disney Plus. But yeah, yeah. So how do, how do you think this whole thing plays out? Do you think... Yeah, uh, and again, we talked about it, it's hard to predict, and we, and we don't it, know what's going on. By, but I mean, day, but. it's a really good question. Um, I think that the streaming services like Net, like Netflix, like Disney Plus, and even some of the more niche ones like Criterion Channel will be benefiting in the next couple of weeks, and we'll probably see 
or hear about a surge in in you know streaming services either being um, you know uh, upgraded or or people you know signing up for for certain things because there's nothing else entertainment wise right now and 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 even physical media like if you have you know a collection of movies or if you are a collector that's obsessed with you know picking up the latest blu-rays and you haven't had a chance to kind of go through them like now is the time to really sit down and watch that stuff or go through a series that you've been wanting to check out but haven't had the time or have been putting off and and I think that these streaming sites will benefit uh quite substantially whether or not that is a permanent situation once you know the 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 pandemic has been lifted uh is is another question entirely but I can definitely see a lot more people now kind of adapting to the streaming sites as their main form of entertainment and whether or not, you know, someone like a Disney or a Universal or or one of these companies that has maybe a movie that is a smaller kind of mid-budget movie that they're like, okay, well, you know, maybe we could release this on our site to get more viewers and more subscribers to you know come in like a lot of people obviously are saying like well why not just release new mutants i mean it's already been through the ringer in terms of its uh delays and release dates uh already and if you were to release it you know in the next couple of weeks or month uh now on on i I don't know if it'd be disney plus per se because they seem to have a, a an issue with certain uh topical themes um but like if they released it on hulu let's say in the u.s um i think that that movie would actually do better on a streaming service than it would in its theatrical release and maybe mulan as well but i can see them wanting to hold mulan until you know things clear up because a theatrical release for mulan might actually do well but but again like something even like stuff that's already in theaters right now um, like The Hunt, like Craig Zobel's The Hunt, which isn't a great movie, but it's it has its moments. It's it. There's a great uh, Betty Gilpin performance in that film, which has also had a very um, cursed trajectory in terms of its release. Why not have Universal, like you know, do a, a charge a premium for uh, uh, you know renting it on iTunes or start up their own streaming service in in lieu of what's going on now? And and I think that something like that could actually you know make the money back for them and maybe, you know, more so. Yeah, I agree with you. And I don't think that's like taking advantage of a situation or anything like that, because I think it just benefits both, you know, your audience who obviously, um, if people are practicing some of these things that are recommended are going to be, you know, hold up at home. So why not give them something? And then it, it obviously something like new mutants does make sense to me because who knows how much that movie was going to make box office wise anyway. So maybe you're more beneficial to put that on a streaming service and, and kind of boost some subscriptions, not to kind of think of everything from a, you know, business perspective of how they can make money, uh, from a, this bad situation. But I mean, again, I, I'm, I'm just waiting for that, you know, that to fall and see who is the first one to kind of be like, you know what, we're going to take one of these releases that I think 
this is the right time to kind of just put it on a streaming service. I could see something like that happening, but uh, yeah, new mutants does make sense to me. I think because of the PG 13 rating, it could go on Disney plus, but I know what you're talking about of uh, certain themes and things like that. But I I hope that wouldn't deter them from doing that. They have all the other X-Men movies on there. It's not like this is a a weird R rated movie or something like that. Um, That's the reason why you don't see something like Logan, obviously on um, Disney plus, but um, yeah, it'll be interesting. I don't know if this will like, kill or or um be the end of multiplexes uh, depending on how long if they need to shut down how long this goes for um how much of a hit it takes or how this changes people's viewing habits again it's probably too early to tell on all of that but uh it's going to be a an interesting um you know uh tetris uh uh thing for the the latter half of the year with all these releases or or seeing which ones get pushed even into next year um i'm with you that mulan probably stays in theaters i could see something like artemis fowl finally moving over to disney plus um it'll be interesting i know we're just uh, black widow will be the interesting one coming up of if it's um going to get delayed because it's probably the next big giant release but um i can't see that that's obviously going to stay in theaters but um I guess maybe if Disney can finish one of these Marvel shows earlier yeah, or something like that, is ready to go or, or I don't get that out. Uh, the Falcon and the, and uh, uh, the Winter Soldier. I mean, they might as well release it in you know one of the spots that's vacated by a major theatrical release and play it up as if it were a theatrical release, but you know, watching it from the comfort of your own home. Yeah. Ah, crazy, crazy. I know I'm staying away for a little bit because I did want to go see The Hunt and I did, there was something else I missed as well. Oh, I guess Bloodshot, which I didn't really care about, but um, The Hunt I did want to go check out. So if that, again, if they threw that on iTunes right away, I probably would, uh, you know, pay the the 10 bucks to rent it, something like that. So especially if theaters are going to shut down, it's... uh, uh, Or even The Way Back with Ben Affleck, like it's not doing that well theatrically. And if Warner Brothers were to say, okay, well, given the circumstance... Why not give people the option to watch it at home? I think it would actually do quite well. I mean, in terms of, you know, selling it as a inspirational sports bio kind of thing, you know, and, and bio in the sense that it's looking, it's almost a, a reflection of Ben Affleck's own life. Um, that might be something worthwhile, you know, and, and, so again, like I, I think that the the industry can sustain itself if it decides to adapt and sort of push these movies and and TV shows through the streaming service. And and again, like a lot of people get to this stuff anyways months later. So why not, you know, try to find something to entertain people while they're you know at home or need something to kind of distract themselves from anything that's kind of bothering them. Yeah, totally. Um, all right. I guess we can, um, let's move on to some of maybe the more regular segments. So, um, I know we've been both holed up at uh, home a bit, but we haven't recorded in a little while. Um, what have you been watching? I know we both, uh, got to check out Onward um, during the um, special sneak peek on February 29th, which was leap uh, the leap day this year. Um, no, we, we didn't did not. do a review for that, right? My my brain is fried. Uh, 
No, he didn't. So I, we can talk a little bit about Onward um, now, and then we can kind of go into what we've been watching or what we plan to watch during, uh, you know, this self-isolation. Um, yeah, for uh, Onward, we won't be doing a, a regular review, obviously. We'll probably just talk about it here. And, and just uh, an update on that as a whole, I think we'll probably um, obviously – put a pause on, on untitled movie reviews until we uh, maybe decide to kind of uh, once this thing kind of ends and there are movies to review, but maybe we jump into some streaming stuff. If this uh, remote recording uh, works well enough, then maybe we'll jump in and review some stuff. But for right now uh, we'll just talk about onward here. And then when I eventually see the hunt yeah. and things like that, we can talk about it on the normal show. But uh, we did, we did both get to see onward and um, we haven't really talked about it other than kind of uh, brief messages back and forth. Um, Eric, what were your thoughts uh, um, uh, uh, overall? Strong. On the ending is the strongest part of that film. And, and I get what they were building towards and because of that, I think it's a, an emotionally involving sequence at the end. And it kind of reminded me a little bit of like me and my brother Kyle's relationship and things like that. Because, you know, like if you don't have a certain parent in your life that it, it, it can be, you know, it, it can tug at your heartstrings like that. But at the same time, I think, you know, the usual saying is that the, the journey is more interesting than the destination, but I think the destination this time around is more interesting than the journey because you're playing in a fairy tale world where these two characters, these two brothers are trying to bring back their, their father and only, you know, halfway succeed and they need to get another uh, Phoenix uh, stone in order to resurrect the, the upper half of their, their deceased father um, it just felt very conventional in a kind of almost weirdly DreamWorks animation studio kind of way and not Pixar. Like it was less inventive and more just clever and not that I didn't like it. I just thought that it was kind of like the standard that Pixar sets for itself in terms of, you know, the original movies that they make, um, this being one of the first in, in, in quite some time. Um, just didn't hold the same kind of weight as an Up or Wally, and and even though it's a little bit better than Dan Scanlon's uh, last movie that he directed for for Pixar, uh, Monsters University, which a lot of people weirdly are, have been defending uh, as of late, because like I kind of like I, yeah. I get like the characters are are held and and like you know Mike and Sully are are really enjoyable characters, but at the same time that movie it, you know like is basically a, a TV film at, at best. Like it didn't feel like it, it had the weight that it needed to, to really live up to being a sequel to monsters Inc. This like, it came from a more personal place, obviously, because Dan Scanlon has talked about, you know, losing his father at a young age and having a, a, you know, a very strong bond with his older brother. It just didn't come together in a way that, you know, those Pixar movies usually do. And I feel that this is on the bottom end of the newer Pixar films and especially even just overall of the, you know, original movies. Yeah. And I'll echo everything you said. I'm, I'm pretty much on the exact same page. Like I thought it was um, fine overall, but I would kind of, 
put it in that kind of bottom tier with the the Braves and the good dinosaurs of the world and even the Monsters Universities. Um, maybe not as bad as the Cars era of Pixar, but um, I thought it was perfectly fine. Like I thought it was cute. Um, I, I did find it, yeah, like you said, clever. I did like some of the world building and the and the design of that world with the you know castles that look like skyscrapers and kind of what if this fantasy lord of the rings-esque world kind of um came into the 21st century i I thought some of that was clever and and interesting but i just found like you said i I don't mean it as an insult to dreamworks but that first two-thirds of the movie just kind of feels like oh this is cute Uh, i'll laugh here and there at certain things but um i it just didn't really do much for me and and like you said the ending is the best part but i could see why someone um with a brother um or or that kind of relationship um feels that way for the ending I know I've talked to our friend Mike Munz, who also has two brothers, and he loved it and loved the ending of the movie for that. Um, but I, I obviously I have one sister, and not saying as my relationship with my sister is any different as if it would be with a with a brother. But I just I didn't have that same relationship that those characters had in that movie, and and to me that the ending hit less because of that. And I'm not saying I have to you know have the same experiences as characters on screen to feel what they're going through. But that whole ending just didn't hit me as hard. Although I thought it did come together quite well. Um, the movie as a whole was just very okay. And um, I'm getting sick of Chris Pratt, although I thought he was fine. Um, like I, I just, I love that guy and I, I, I loved him in parks and rec and I thought he was a great choice for star Lord. And, but as he, he's become a movie star, I've liked him less and less in each thing that he's in. I uh, still love Tom yeah, Holland. Tom Holland seems to be great. doing um, a lot of voice work uh, as of late with that, onward but. and Doolittle and even spies in disguise. Um, I, I agree with your sentiments when it comes to uh, Chris Pratt, where like he's great in a supporting role in an ensemble, and and obviously Star Lord really works as an ensemble character, even though he's at least with the first movie he was he was considered sort of the breakout favorite, um, and and yeah, so like I just felt like honestly that this movie was. You know, it had its heart in the right place. And and again, like, I, I agree with you, like, bringing sort of like a contemporary blend to the fantasy of it kind of works and sort of how, like, modern day plays into, you know, the old ways and how, you know, with the turn of the century and invention, how the the, the past and, and creativity kind of gets lost for uh, the comfort and accessibility of, of things that are available to you in day to day life. Um, but yeah, Chris Pratt is one of those people where it's like, he, he's so good as Andy Dwyer and Star-Lord and kind of as a supporting player in even movies like Zero Dark Thirty and Her and Moneyball, that when you get him as the leading man, it just, there's something about it, it just doesn't work. And it kind of feels like he's trying too hard and he, maybe part of it is now because of his own, you know, his own life coming into into focus and you know him being a very conservative religious kind of guy maybe that is something as well that kind of rubs me the wrong way not that i have anything against him you know practicing his own religion as long as he's not you know hurting anybody or 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 or, you know talking down to people but it just kind of feels like he doesn't have that leading man thing that that thing that makes them you know, you know, a marquee name, like even though they're we, Disney especially has been selling him as that. 
Yeah, I totally agree with that. Like it, it took me a little while, but I like with Magnificent Seven or uh, Passengers and things like that, when they started to throw him into these, you know, serious, somewhat serious roles that I just, I felt like he, you put it perfectly. He was just trying, he's trying way too hard. He's one of those guys that I can't lose myself into a role. Like even someone as big as Tom Cruise, when I'm watching Mission Impossible, I'm not necessarily, I'm seeing Tom Cruise, but I get into the mindset of Ethan Hunt and I believe it where I, when I see Chris Pratt try to be, you know, this leading man, I just, I, I can envision him practicing his lines and delivering his lines every time. And it just, doesn't work for me and i'm starting uh, the same thing starting to happen with with ryan reynolds where i'm just kind of getting sick of his shtick and um and not necessarily saying chris pratt's doing the same thing over and over again i mean he bounces between you know that you know the goofy andy dwyer stuff and the more kind of middle ground and then some of this more serious stuff not necessarily saying onward is is in that camp of being too serious, I can't take him seriously, but I don't know. I'm just getting kind of sick of Chris Pratt. And, um, I think that affected the movie a little bit for me too, but yeah, overall, I just, I thought it was fine. I think it's like when it's on Disney plus, I wouldn't tell you not to watch it. I just feel like, uh, you don't really, especially right now need to rush out to go see it. Um, I know it made a decent amount of coin, but, um, it's, it's fine for young kids and things like that. But I, I think it is lower tier Pixar. If you're it's, Pixar has never been awful, maybe other than Cars 2. Um, but yeah, it, it's I mean, just Pixar kind is of now, like, there was There was uh, a time when Pixar, after Toy Sto- the Toy Story movies, was releasing, and, and in between that, with, you know, Ratatouille and Wally and Up and. and things like that, where it was like it was hit after hit, and it was almost like Pixar became the default perfect company that no matter what they released, it was going to be a masterpiece and you could always rely on them as, you know, the, the, the studio that brought you quality um, and not just quantity. And then as they started making more and more sequels, I mean, even Toy Story included, although those are, are better than the other sequels that they have released, you got a sense that, okay, well now they are a little bit more um, pervious to criticism and and not everything that they're going to release is perfect and with good dinosaur and brave i mean there were internal problems and you know the changing of of uh studio figures because of someone like john lasseter kind of being a problematic um producer on on board at that time and also you know those movies brave and, and good dinosaur being kind of disjointed and and being reworked um throughout you know the 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 time that they were being developed because, you know, you have to look at these movies that they do take, you know, almost a decade to make. So when we finally get to even something like Onward, I'm sure it's been, you know, in the making for at least five or six years in terms of pre-production, uh, storyboarding, scripting. And, and by the time we get to, you know, the voice casting and, um, you know, first trailers, that's when the movie is, is finally getting released. So like with something like, you know, soul coming up. Like I, I'm sure a lot of people are 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 putting a lot more uh, emphasis on that film as being like the movie that'll kind of lift Pixar back up again because that's a movie that I can see them. Okay, well, it's Pete Doctor who's you know leading the charge on this one. The guy who brought us you know the first Monsters Inc. and you know Inside Out, which I think is uh, the last great Pixar film. Uh, um, sort of, you know, really putting all their chips on that and, and hopefully it won't disappoint. I mean, everything I've seen on, on that movie so far looks great. And even with the new trailer being released, um, I, I can see there being more, 
more weight on that movie now because of Onward not doing so well. Yeah, and and I mean, Soul looks incredible. Yeah, I mean, we don't need to go into you know uh, talking trailers, but uh, there's not too much out there. But yeah, Onward uh, released their new trailer, and uh, I thought that does look incredible, and looks like kind of a spiritual sequel to uh, Inside Out a, a bit. Um, and yeah, I mean, Onward just is a little too generic for Pixar. Like you do expect a little bit more. So um, overall, I yeah, I can't really suggest it yeah it's, it's, it's totally fine movie, again like so. i think like what um, you said it would be a perfect movie to watch on disney plus if anywhere else and you don't need to rush out to the theater for it yeah totally um have you been watching anything else i know you saw some of the new releases so i don't know if you wanted to quickly you already kind of gave your thoughts yeah, and on also uh, and, uh, uh, bloodshot, never rarely sometimes always um, I mean, a lot of those reviews are on rogerstv.com slash cinemascene. So you can go and check those uh, out there. So yeah, and first cow as well, like Kelly Reichardt um, is one of those great filmmakers that when you watch one of her movies, you always know that it's her because she's a filmmaker that immerses you in the environment that she's created and allows for time and space to kind of take a hold of the audience as they're watching and you kind of go by her sort of pacing and 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 sort of tempo and usually the movies are quite slow but at the same time they're never boring or mundane in any way they're always involving and they're very character specific and in this case you have a film that takes place in the 19th century in the pacific northwest with two characters that have very different backgrounds and have come from very different places um with uh john uh, uh mangaro from uh overlord he played kind of like the smart aleck uh soldier from queens in, in in overlord and he was also in carol and a bit part and was in the uh very uh, disappointing David Chase movie, Not Fade Away. Uh, and then you have uh, Orion uh, Lee as uh, this Chinese immigrant uh, named uh, King Lu. And, and and John's character, Cookie, is this kind of very shy, meek uh, chef. And they kind of partner up and steal the milk of this wealthy landowner played by Toby Jones and create oily cakes that uh, sell to um, this fort that they're at. Um, and, and again, like that talking about that movie doesn't really sound like, you know, the stakes are very high or there's a lot going on, but it's the friendship that this movie creates and the bond that these two characters have throughout the running time that you really gravitate towards. And it looks so beautiful. It's shot in, in a, it's not quite four by three, but it's very close. And like, it does feel on brand and you could say like from just like a very shallow aesthetic um, point of view that, you know, this is in the A24 wheelhouse of, of something like in between uh, a ghost story and the last black man in San Francisco and sort of kind of like in between those two with a little bit of, of lean on Pete and how it sort of deals with, um, you know, the, the, the cookie character being this very human and humane individual, even when he is milking this cow, um, the titular first cow, uh, Evie, in, in such a manner that is probably the kindest that this animal has ever been respected by a, a human being. And all those moments really build up into this overwhelming finale. And, and again, like, I could just live in Kelly Reichardt's 
world for the two two plus hours that her movies usually are and again they're not really plot driven but story-wise and character-wise they're very uh uh enriching and just a wonderful delightful experience and i don't think she's made a bad movie so i hope that at some point down the line whether it be a re-release theatrically or, you know, when it comes out on Blu-ray or DVD or, you know, for award season screeners are sent out that people do catch up with it because it really is um, a beautiful movie and a really wonderful experience to, to have. It's great to hear, man. Yeah, I do want to see it. I just, uh, yeah, I'm going to you know, obviously wait. Um, <laughs> but when you described it as a ghost story mixed with, uh, uh, like from an yeah. aesthetic standpoint, is I'm assuming what you mean is a uh, ghost story and and uh, Last Black Man. I was like, ooh, I'm in. Um, that's great. Yeah, for me, um, I mean, we can jump back if you have more, but um, I haven't, we, I've weirdly haven't watched a movie in March yet. I looked at my letterbox and um, I... Uh, with traveling and just everything that's going on, I obviously haven't been going to the movies. Um, the last movie I saw in theaters was onward, which is the last day of February. And then, uh, at home, I just, I, I haven't really been watching movies when I was traveling. I watched, I, I caught up on better call Saul. Um, so I watched, uh, the first four episodes of the newest season, which is excellent. I highly suggest it to everyone, especially if you're kind of at home. Um, I think all the first five seasons are on uh, Netflix, at least here in Canada right now. Uh, They're all in 4K. If you haven't watched it, um, I highly, highly suggest it. Um, the new season is is great, and we keep getting closer and closer to Breaking Bad territory, um, or at least that timeline. I think the quality is just as good as Breaking Bad. Um, it's fascinating to me that this prequel series to Breaking Bad is also one of the best TV shows I've seen in a long time. Um, uh, I mean, obviously, Watchmen's on another level, but having those two back-to-back has been uh, great. TV watching from me from coming from a guy who doesn't watch uh, much TV. I've also watched a lot of uh, Brooklyn nine, nine and survivor. So I've been more on more of a TV tear lately um, rather than watching any movies. Uh, Nevis and I are kind of prepping then what we want to watch next after finishing fast and furious. So there's some Disney stuff we want to catch up with because we're still obsessed with the Disney villainous game, which I believe we're going to play tonight since we're in quarantine. Um, and we want to watch some of the the movies attached to the villains on that, especially in the, the new expansion that we picked up with Cruella DeVille and mother Gothel from tangled. Uh, we also, I want to watch the bond movies, but now that that got delayed, I might hold off on those. Um, I know the kind of funny guys are continuing on with their, uh, 007 in review. Um, so they're not moving their schedule around. And then I also have the final two DC movies that, uh, I got to watch. So I got to watch Aquaman and Shazam again. So Nevis and I started Aquaman last night and, uh, I mean, I remember that movie being ridiculous and laughing at it. It's harder to laugh at it the second time around. Um, but still seeing Dolph Lundgren in his red, flowing hair riding a seahorse uh is, is and the still ocean an master incredible don't forget the ocean seen. master um yeah yeah so that movie's real dumb um but uh i'll probably watch those but i haven't really been watching many movies so um i'll have to try and plan out what i want to 
watch over the next little while. I had Spencer Confidential on my phone to watch on the flight, but I ended well, up. Why don't you talk about to your, your trip instead. to LA? I mean, um, I, I'm very curious because we've talked a little bit about it, but I, I, you know, why don't you you share like what your thoughts yeah. of going to LA for the first time was like? Yeah, I guess that's technically what I've been up to. Um, it, it, it's weird because, yeah, I haven't talked about it much because all this stuff kind of blew up right when I got home. And um, But yeah, I did go to Los Angeles last week uh, from Wednesday to Sunday evening. Um, I went down for work. So um, for those of you that don't know, I work at an advertising agency here in Toronto called Sidley, and I do some content and social media marketing um, down there. So I had to go meet with, we have a Los Angeles office, uh, Sid Lee does. So I met with the team that I've been working with for a while, as well as I had a client meeting down there and a brainstorm for some work that we're going to be doing in 2020. Um, so yeah, I got to go to Los Angeles for the first time and um, man, it's beautiful there, dude. Like it, I, it was hard coming back. Like I'm like, man, they live with this weather. <laughs> like I know that they they do, but like when you're finally down there and you're in the middle of winter here in, in Toronto and and, and you go down there and it's like a nice, it was like mild when we were there. So it was between, you know, 17 degrees Celsius and 22 degrees Celsius when I was there, which is like perfect weather for me. Um, so it was absolutely gorgeous. We stayed in Santa Monica at a beautiful hotel right across from, you know, the beach and the pier, um, had some great food. I went to Sugarfish uh, again, which is a restaurant that I know we've talked about on this show because Eric and I went there for your 30th birthday on the infamous, uh, Matt almost died, uh, in New York trip. Um, and uh, and you've gone there another time, and I've gone there with Nevis um, in New York, where they only have, I think, maybe a couple locations. But in the Los Angeles area, they have a ton of locations. So uh, I lucked out that Sugarfish had a location, a five-minute walk from my hotel. So it is what I suggested for dinner um, with my colleagues. So we went there. They were very happy with it and said, great suggestion. So I'm glad I got to go back to Sugarfish. Really? Only waited for five minutes, dude. <laughs> compared to yeah compared because they have like i think they have like right. 10 plus locations and there's more Angeles, space right, right? So, like it's more um, spread out compared new- to new york where everything is kind of like clustered yeah i mean the two new york restaurants i think that they have um are spread out across the city and in la i guess you probably don't have to go that far and it was still a very small restaurant and it was similarly set up um they had uh, the same menu almost um i got the nazawa like large version i should have just stuck with the the trust me regular but because i got a little full near the end um but it was a weird day because we traveled very early in the morning and then we had to go to these meetings and um uh, I had nothing to eat basically all day except for a Starbucks breakfast sandwich. So after our meetings, we hit up like a nice patio by the Santa Monica Pier. Uh, we all became obsessed with this um, this beer from Golden Road, which was called Mango Cart. I uh, had a nice spicy mango cart in the airport on the way home, and it was fucking excellent. Uh, split some like nachos and things like that. So by the time we got to sushi, and I was getting to those last few pieces, I was getting pretty full. But uh, Sugarfish, if you guys are in Los Angeles or New York, um, after all of this is passed, maybe not right now. Um, it, it is excellent. It's really, really good. In New York, we ha- I had to wait three hours with Eric, three hours with Nevis. Um, both times that we went in LA, I had to wait five, 10 minutes, um, but it's very, very good. Um, that night, the first night we were there, I crashed at like 8 p.m. Uh, uh, 
Pacific time. Um, so I was very, very tired. Uh, my sleeping pattern was all messed up. So um, I woke up at very, very early the next morning. Um, had some work stuff on the Friday. Um, went, uh, finished all that up. Uh, hung at, went to the Toronto Maple Leafs Los Angeles Kings game at the Staples Center, which is something I've always wanted to do. Uh, Staples Center being one of the most famous arenas in, in the world. And, and uh, the, it just happened. I happened to luck out that the Leafs were playing in both Los Angeles and Anaheim back to back the exact days that we were there. Um, so I went to that game. Uh, it was one of the, the worst performances of the year for the Leafs. It was a zero zero tie going into a shootout, which rarely ever happens. So of course that's my luck. Uh, but I had a good time with my, uh, with my colleagues from, uh, from work and then met up with, uh, someone from the Sidley LA office and had some drinks after the game at the LA live area. Um, and then on the Friday I, um, we had our big brainstorm or no, sorry, that was on the Thursday moved over to Anaheim on, on the Friday because, um, I was going to stay for the weekend and my plan was to go to Disneyland on Saturday and the Leafs were playing in Anaheim on Friday. So took an Uber down to Anaheim, uh, stared at a, stayed at a wonderful, uh, Airbnb shout out to Winnie and her, her family. They were wonderful. So I stayed in their, um, Airbnb, their spare bedroom. Um, they were very sweet. They had a young, a young son. Um, she packed me a little goodie bag to take to Disneyland the next day. They were amazing. So if you're ever staying in Anaheim, I highly suggest if you want a cheap place to stay and it's just you or you and your partner, um, Winnie and her family on Airbnb right near Disneyland is, uh, is fantastic. Um, went to that hockey game by myself, which was very interesting. The Leafs <laughs> also played terribly again and lost um through one uh they barely scored a goal in both games that i was there uh so it was pretty abysmal uh but i still had fun nonetheless uh then my big day oh i went to portillo's um uh that day because i wanted to try uh i heard about portillo's hot dogs from the kind of funny crew for the longest time so uh they had a location in anaheim so i'm like you know what i'm gonna go get a hot dog and some cheese fries um that was delicious um, hot dog with everything. And they also suggested to get the beef dip. I wasn't as hungry, so I didn't get that. Um, so I had a great time at Portillo's. Then, um, uh, my big day was on Saturday where I, uh, woke up. I wanted to go to Disneyland. I've never been, I've only been to Disney world. Um, and I really wanted to try, I wanted to see star Wars land. And, um, I also really wanted to, yeah, yeah uh, I can hear you. Can you still hear me? Sorry. Okay, sorry. The computer uh, turned off because I hadn't moved the mouse in a while. Um, so I got up at like five in the morning Pacific time, which isn't too bad. It would have been like you know eight a.m. here. Um, and I went over to Disney, and um, I really wanted to see Galaxy's Edge, obviously, and try to get on Rise of the Resistance. And if, for those of you that don't know, Rise of the Resistance is the new Star Wars ride at Disneyland and Disney World in in, in Orlando. Um, one of the most intricate crazy theme park rides ever made um star wars themed impossible to get on basically because they have this ride reservation um, thing that you have to go on their app at 8 a.m you have to be in the park you have to reserve a spot in a queue and they only put through a certain amount of people per day and the ride notoriously breaks down over and over again and takes a long time to reset so um, I hacked the system a little bit by booking a character breakfast um, <laughs> before the park opened to get into the park early. Um, so I got into the park around 7.20, 7.30. Um, no, sorry. 
no, I got in the park at almost like 7 a.m. because I got there at like 6.30 a.m. And um, my breakfast was scheduled for 7.20. Um, originally was going to not go to the breakfast, but then I was like, ah, I don't want to risk anything of like, I booked this thing. They took my name when I went into the park. I don't want to like not show up for my reservation. So I went into this character breakfast alone, um, which was so funny because I'm sitting there. It's all families and kids and the, these people dressed up as Disney characters obviously are walking around and interacting with people as they're eating. And I'm there, this guy, this 31 year old man just having a, a breakfast buffet by myself. And like, but I think it kind of made it funny or fun for some of the people in costume or characters. Cause they kept coming up to me and kind of like, you know, joking around. Cause I was just sitting there by myself. Um, there was a very sweet woman who played uh, uh, Cinderella's fairy godmother who came up and kind of talked to me and broke character and, and asked, she assumed I was there on business and that I was trying to go on the star Wars ride. And she was absolutely correct. Um, and then you had pe- like people dressed up as like Tigger and Eeyore and, 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 you know, uh, Captain hook coming up to me and bothering me as I'm trying to shove this breakfast down my gullet before I can go out and try and get this ride. Um, so at 8am I, I booked it after I ate this breakfast, uh, and tried to reserve this, uh, rise of the resistance ride. And, uh, my app crashed as I was trying to reserve it. So I had to reload it. And then I got uh, boarding group 90, which was like, not awful, but it was in the standby groups because they said only like one to seventy something was um was part of the like not guaranteed, but part of like the the regular group, and then anything after that was standby. Um, so I was kind of bummed about that, but then I just you know tried to enjoy the park as like you know by myself, which was a weird um a weird kind of situation where I had a lot of fun because you can kind of do everything you know you don't have to organized with anyone you can kind of do exactly what you want you can take as much time or as little time as you want on everything go to whatever you want and that's kind of what i did i just explored both disneyland and uh, disney california adventure i tried to go on every ride all the single ride lines were um very short i got on everything within you know a couple minutes um I tried to go on a lot of the stuff that they don't have in Disney World in Orlando because I hadn't been to the California one. So there's like a Cars ride. Again, those movies suck, but the ride is actually kind of interesting, especially from a technical standpoint that like they built real life sized cars with animatronic mouths and eyes and and they look incredible. And, and um, there's this cool race you go on at the end of that ride and um just had a blast jumping around and going on everything and and waiting and and seeing star wars galaxy's edge for the first time was just um incredible like walking up and it's all the stuff you see in the movies but you don't have a sense of scale even seeing them like on a imax screen or things like that like it doesn't quite hit you until you walk up to the millennium falcon that's a life-size millennium falcon in the middle of galaxy's edge that you're like holy fuck and it's this giant millennium falcon right in front of you and you're in this star wars land with the john williams music playing in the background and people walking around as tourists like you're on this actual planet of batu and like it's really immersive and really really cool and and whatever you think about theme parks like i have a blast at them and like i think they are some of the happiest places places on on the planet and just seeing the families and certain people and how much they love these characters and these worlds and going on these rides and seeing these things in person is is really really awesome and like they disney does a really really good job at immersing you in these worlds and 
even somewhere like in Florida, when we went to Pandora and the Avatar land is something I don't even care about, but they make you care about it. And, and now going to something that I really do care deeply about and going to Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. And I'm not one to usually take pictures, but I have my phone out. I'm taking pictures of everything. I'm, I'm getting the Disney photographer to take my photo in front of the Millennium Falcon. I'm running over to you know, the, the Coca-Cola cart that has a, you know, an R2 unit in it, or maybe not an R2 unit, but a droid unit in it. That's like part of driving the cart around and, and the people are in character selling you these, you know, star Wars versions of Coke and Sprite and diet Coke. And you're running over and getting, you know, star Wars food that looks like it's being cooked under a, um, a, uh, pod racing engine and stuff like that. Like it was, it was crazy. And it was, it was so cool as a star Wars fan to kind of see some of that. And I, I tried not to do everything cause Nevis and I do have plans to go to, Walt Disney World in Florida later this year. And like, I wanted to, you know, there's a place where you can build a droid and build a lightsaber. And those are experiences in their own. And, um, but I did go on the Smuggler's Run ride, which is the Millennium Falcon ride. Um, I, when you're in the single rider line, you kind of, in that ride, there's, six seats in the in the cockpit of the falcon and two people are pilots two are um you know gunners and two are uh engineers and i uh, both times i rode that lot uh ride i was an engineer because that's kind of the last you know the last thing they give away and if you're a single rider that's what you're probably going to get but it was cool that's more of like a a screens in front of you and you're flying to go get some coaxium and it's interactive and you have to push buttons and and do things so that was kind of kind of cool uh walked around the land i ate some food um i checked out everything at both parks um i don't know whether to get into every little thing that i did but i i put in like almost 30 kilometers of walking and and, and 30 40 000 steps or something like that and then finally um uh the ride, the rise of the resistance ride, it didn't board all morning cause it was broken down, but in the afternoon they started, um, uh, putting people on the ride and it started to look like I might get in. And then by 7 PM, um, my 7, 8 PM, my, my number got called and I had to rush back to the lineup and, um, dude, it was, it's hard to describe, but like, it is one of the coolest things that I've ever, um, been on. And like, I could go, I kind of want to go into detail, but I don't want to like spoil it for people either. But like, because I really do think if you ever have a chance to go on this ride, you definitely should, especially if you're a Star Wars fan. But like, it's, it sounds corny, but it is the first time that I felt like they really put you in that world. Like, it's not like one of those things where you sit down and you see a screen in front of you and they, they created this thing. Like they built physical props and things to make you feel like you are actually in that universe and everything is life-size the animatronics are crazy it's this multi-layered narrative where disney does a really good job at their theme parks now with their newer rides to find um fun ways to make you (laughs) wait in more lines if that makes sense because the the lineups are so long that they have to find ways to make the lineups part of the narrative because they can only put so many people on the actual ride at one time so the way that this ride does it is like uh, you go into a room much like some of the rides where i I made fun of the twister ride back at um 
universal where uh you know bill paxton and helen hunt would come out and he'd be like i'm bill paxton and then he would like talk about what's happening on the ride and then be like i'm helen hunt and then she would talk about what you're going to do on the ride where they still do that kind of stuff and like if you've been on like the terminator thing and and stuff at universal they do this but in this ride you get put into a briefing room bb8's there ray comes on a hologram they give you your mission you're part of the resistance you got to go on the secret mission and um it's basically just a way to keep you hoarded in a room and they show you some visuals and there's some animatronics and stuff with an animatronic BB-8 and it still looks cool, but they're still making you wait. Um, then the second step of the ride is like you're put onto this transport and um, I think it's either Admiral Akbar or um, uh, someone, I forget who um, is an animatronic and he's you're going on a spaceship and they're launching you out into space and you're starting this mission. And basically... Um, you feel like you're taking off from that planet into space and you're all standing on this transport, which is another way to just make you wait longer, but it's part of this narrative that they're building. And then they, and then while that's happening, a star destroyer comes and, and you get stuck in their, their beam and, and they, they basically hijack your ship and you become prisoners of the first order. And it's, it's this multi-step narrative where they have cast members who are acting as, you know, first order officers that come into this ship and they start yelling at you and, and tell you to get into single file and, 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 and go into this other room because you're getting pulled onto the star destroyer and, and you're now a prisoner of the first order. And again, it's just another way to creatively make you wait in line, but it's, it's, it's so interesting that like they play into it all and they do it in this way that you feel completely immersed. So I can't even describe the next feeling of like when they, take control of your ship and these first order officers come onto this small, this small transport you're in and they go get, get off here. Like where you're now a prisoner of us. And then you walk off this transport and into this, into a star destroyer. And like, I, I posted a photo in my Instagram story that you might've seen, but there's like rows and rows of stormtroopers lined up. And dude, it was the biggest, most massive room I've ever been in. And it, there's this giant window leading out into space. Um, and it, you feel like you're, you've just stepped foot into an actual star destroyer. And it was one of the craziest things I've ever, and it's hard to describe. And you might think that, Oh, it's not going to be as crazy as I'm describing it. But like when you step out into this thing and you see those lines of stormtroopers up there and you see this giant window and you're on a star destroyer and it's just like, this is fucking incredible. And like the first order officers are yelling at you to line up and like go into this thing. And then the narrative continues where they interrogate different groups because you're not supposed to tell them where the resistance base is. And then you finally ride the ride and then the ride in itself is, is very intricate with crazy animatronics of Kylo Ren and, and things like that. And it's, it's exciting and fun. And, um, you see a, a full size ATAT and, um, or ATST, which is the big oh. walker, like with four legs. Yeah. Yeah. Is it a ST or a ATAT? Yeah. Yeah. ATAT, I think. Um, uh, and it was just like, you go through this ride and it's a trackless dark ride and it's, it's just, it, it was so cool. The whole experience as a whole. And I'm so glad I got to go on it. And, um, and then I went to like the cantina to finish the night off and had a fuzzy tauntaun and some, some bar snacks. And, um, the fuzzy tauntaun was this like peach alcoholic cocktail that had this foam in it that made your mouth numb. Um, which was bizarre and weird, but it tasted very good. And the cantina atmosphere was fun. And, um, 
I went there for Star Wars, saw a lot more. The Indiana Jones ride was something I hadn't ridden before because they don't have that at Disney World. Um, a few other things in California Adventure. I went on the Guardians of the Galaxy ride, which they uh, used to be Tower of Terror, but is now Guardian of, Guardians of the Galaxy Breakout. Um, so at that ride, you kind of... Um, the collector has captured the guardians of the galaxy and he's giving you a private tour of his, um, his estate and, and using them as an attraction for people to come see because he's captured them. And there's this whole narrative of rocket trying to break them out. And you're part of that. Um, that was a blast. So overall had a hell of a lot of fun at Disneyland by myself. I wish I was there sharing it with someone like Nevis, but I, I was texting her throughout the whole journey and telling her exactly what I was up to. But, um, there are those moments where you're, yeah, you can have fun by yourself, but you do look over and you're like, I kind of wish I had someone to share this with, but, um, had a blast. Uh, I definitely squeezed it in there right before all this kind of nonsense was happening. Do I regret going now? Um, no, because I just feel like the situation was, I, I felt like a lot different a week ago. I felt like at that point we were all like, okay, everyone be super cautious, but there's nothing that we need to kind of do right now to other than make sure you wash your hands and Purell yourself, dump Purell on yourself every 10 minutes. But, um, and then, yeah. And then I saw, I had an in and out burger on my last day and went back to the airport and, um, and had some beers and, and flew home. So that was my California trip. So I didn't see, you know, your classic. I didn't go to any studios. I didn't go downtown Hollywood. I didn't go see any movies, but I plan on doing that stuff if I ever go again, but I really wanted to do Disneyland and, uh, accomplished that. Uh, final thought in and out burgers, pretty good in and out fries, absolute trash. And I don't know how they do one thing very well. And one yeah, thing I would so agree awful. with you on the in and so, out burger thing. And, and again, like my, I think uh, with, with, uh, LA specifically, like you'd probably need two weeks, a week and a half, maybe, to kind of do the studio thing because that in in itself is is one uh trip in, in a lot of ways so you covered quite a bit of ground um over the course of of just being there for what less than a the, week so yeah yeah wednesday to sunday and the limited and i was there for work the first couple of days right so the limited time i had i used it I think pretty well seeing a couple hockey games and going to Disneyland on a 17 hours at Disneyland. Um, and then, yeah, finishing it off with some places that I wanted to eat. So, uh, yeah, in and out for a second, we can talk about that cause we've both been there. Um, I, I, I wasn't getting too hyped for it cause I heard from a lot of people being like, yeah, the burgers are good, but don't go in with like crazy expectations. Like they're just, you know, pretty good and then um and everyone's like the fries are bad i'm oh, like how bad. how bad could the fries be if anything they'll probably be mediocre um so i my order i was bummed because every time i went to these places i wasn't like super hungry because all my eating patterns were way off because of the time changes um so i went in and out at like 10 30 in the morning which would have been 1 30 hour time but I wasn't super hungry, so I didn't want to get like the double-double burger, which is what most people tell you to get. So I just got like a single, but I got it animal style. I got the fries well done because I heard from some people that that could help. And then I just got, you know, like a, a, a Coke Zero or something. But uh, yeah, the burger, excellent. I think getting it animal style really probably helped, added some flavor. Um, I wish I got the double, but the single was still really really good and then the well-done fries are just fucking awful i just yeah, it's i like can't believe how be bad their fries like are mcdonald's fries but there's just something that doesn't work because at the same time they're also trying to be like 
you know, the fresh cut, like newly made fries and it just doesn't work. And like the taste of them has this kind of like they're they're dry on the inside with like the actual little bit of potato that's in there. But like with the McDonald's one, like I think maybe the grease and the salt kind of help that. But yeah, like the burgers themselves are, are amazing. And it's good that you got it animal style because it's not on the menu. You have to usually request that unless they've changed it. But um, even when like you get there's a version of it where you can get fries in the burger. And I would not recommend that one either because that also ruins the burger itself. But I would say it burger wise, the they're in yeah. probably it's probably my top three in terms of fast food burgers. And then fries is probably like one of like the bottom, if not the bottom fry I've the had in a fast me. food joint. Um but it's it, yeah, it's one of those places that like if you're in LA, it's, it's just you shockingly need bad to go to In and Out Burger, you know, at least once. Yeah, all, all Canadians tell you that. And then for those of you that don't know what animal style is, it's like a secret menu thing that they offer at In and Out where um, instead of just their regular toppings and their regular cheeseburger, it, it's grilled with mustard. And then you also get some grilled onions and I think a few different toppings um, on it that aren't usually on their burger. And there's, I think, a different sauce that they put on as well. Um, I don't know exactly, but I, I know it's grilled in mustard. So it's the patty actually is seared in mustard. And then I have some grilled onions on there and it's really fucking good. I think it like definitely adds, um, to the burger. I mean, but I haven't Shake had Shack the regular really one and people too. told me to get the fries animal style and that might help too. Yeah. Shake Shack, I would say is, I mean, I don't know if this is a hot take or not, but like, I think Shake Shack's better because one, their burgers, I feel like are just as good. And two, their fries are actually good. So you have the whole package at Shake Shack where in and out, I will never order their fries ever again. Um, I have no interest in ever eating that dog shit ever again. Um, but the burger was good. And, but like, again, we have something like, um, we went to nice, nice wine bar here in Toronto, which is partnered with extra burger. And I feel like their burger was like, I don't know that you can find burgers in Toronto that are, you know, just as good as in and out. So I, I don't know. I thought it was, it was good, but I don't know if I'd go out of my way to like go there again. I guess if it's like there and it's like late night or something like that, I would go eat. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I would crush in and out anytime, but like, yeah. And I mean like the other place morning. that I would recommend going if you're ever in LA is, um, hot, hot dog wise is pinks. Pinks is, uh, is amazing as well. Yeah. I wanted to go to Pink's. I just yeah, and it's really more central, have, um, like it's it's more go, downtown so, LA than um, anything else. But like, you know, if you're ever going on vacation or you know have more than just a few days there, like that is one of those places that is you know lives up to its uh, reputation and expectations. And I would suggest Portillo's too. It was um, it, it was a fun retro atmosphere good hot dogs so yeah overall had a good time um a weird time to travel uh <laughs> but you know what I, I again i thought the situation was much different a, a week ago if this trip was this week obviously i probably one wouldn't have gone on it and if i was already there uh, before all of this stuff was actually closing i probably would have held off but um nonetheless had a good time can't wait to go back once uh uh travel is okay again and and i loved california i was saying that like i mean this as an insult to the united states sorry anyone who's from the u.s who listens to this but like if california existed in canada i would move there immediately 
I just don't really have a strong interest in leaving yeah, well, Canada. Yeah, free healthcare and things like that right as well. Now, so. And also, like, I mean, um, I, I also love LA, you know, Randy Newman yeah. style. But um, the thing with 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 LA, every time you go back, once you once you have kind of gone through the tourist attractions and the studio, um, you know, events and things like that, it, it does become it, it, some of that kind of awe kind of wears off a little bit. And I remember the first time when I went, I was reminded almost a little bit of Niagara Falls where it's, it has this kind of like tacky quality to it where like you can see like it's building up on other buildings and things like that. And everything is a very kind of like, it is a tourist town in, in a lot of ways, especially in, in, in Hollywood, California, where it's like you go in there and everything is geared towards like people, you know, spending a week or so there and like all the you know, souvenir stores and things like that. It's all kind of like over-exaggerated versions of LA. But at the same time, yeah, like the weather is amazing. Um, the people are always usually very nice. Um, the The restaurants are a lot of fun. And yeah, for, for movie lovers specifically, like it's, it's one of the places that, you know, if, if you, if you love, the history of film and the history of the the studio, uh, specifically the, the the studio system, I would highly recommend going to it. Like the one place that you have to go um, the next time you're there, um, if if you only get to pick one studio tour, I would say go go to the uh, the Sony one because at the end of the tour they take you to the back lot where they have all these vehicles, and one is from uh, Twenty Two Jump Street, the one where they hop into that um that football. Uh, yeah, and then the other one is they have the uh, Breaking Bad uh, uh, RV van. Yeah, nice. Yeah, I, I definitely want to do all that stuff. I didn't see the tacky side really, other than like you know the Anaheim you know uh, theme park area, which was you know typical tourist touristy kind of area. But um, because I never even really went into Hollywood, no, Santa, like, Santa Monica, Monica is more laid back and like a like beach town. But when a, if you yeah. when you go into Hollywood, like it is truly like it kind of lives up to that 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 image that you have in your head of being like okay, like part of this is like so so much a facade and and just feels like you know yeah it's like just one giant billboard um and then another part of it is like okay but i still kind of love it because it's it's it is what it is yeah no i'm excited to go back it was it was gorgeous uh the weather was gorgeous and i i really really loved every second of it so yeah had a good time um, okay. Uh, this is a bit of a weird episode, so we don't necessarily need to go into every segment. We already talked about the onward trailer. Um, uh, anything you suggest people to watch at home during, uh, you Good know, question. This time? Um, <laughs> I'm just looking at my Blu-ray collection right now. Uh, for me, uh, there's some things like, I mean, obviously we mentioned earlier that Frozen 2 will be on Disney Plus starting uh, tomorrow. Uh, we're recording this on Saturday. So uh, as of Sunday, as and probably as you're listening to this, it'll be available on Disney Plus uh, to watch. I know uh, Disney also dropped Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker a bit early if you want to purchase that digitally. Um, I know uh, Parasite was only $10 on the iTunes store the other day, and there's lots of good deals on there. Um, Jumanji two just came out, which I'm waiting to, uh, be able to rent before I can watch that one. Cause I don't necessarily want to pay $25, but I do want to watch it. 
Um, and then I'll just be catching up on some TV and, and video games and, and, and things like that. I mean, we have a, actually, there is one piece of news I do want to talk about before we, um, which is a, a bright oh, yeah, spot at least in, about. in my life coming up. Um, um yeah. Yeah, but yeah, anything, yeah uh, I'll quickly run through um, for people living suggest, in the or... U.S. specifically, but also here in Canada. I mean, you have to pay more because it's an import. Uncut Gems is available if you if you want to actually own a physical copy of it. Um, there's not much in in the ways of of special features, so you kind of assume that maybe it's going to eventually wind up on Criterion the same way that you know Parasite released or, or Neon released a, a version of Parasite on Blu-ray. And now they're also releasing it on 4K, so it'll probably be one of those movies where I end up owning three times. Um, yeah, and, uh, and Terrence Criterion. Malick's A Hidden Life, I think, is a good kind of like home movie to watch where you don't necessarily have to always be watching it. You can just kind of be sort of kind of taken back by it and maybe like have it on in the background and just enjoy the scenery of it. Um, but what I'm really excited about, which doesn't come out until April and whether or not it's delayed because of, you know, uh, factory shutdowns or what have you, but, um, they announced that police squad, the complete series is coming out on Blu-ray in April, which I'm really excited to, uh, to watch it. It was the, um, the original series running into the naked gun films and stars, uh, Leslie Nielsen. So I would, uh, I'd be on the lookout for that in April, but as of now, like, in terms of what I'm going to be doing for the next little while, like I think in terms of like catching up on stuff, like there's some Netflix movies that I haven't had a chance to watch yet that I would like to to catch up on. But like specifically the thing that – and now it's done and I can just binge watch it and probably watch it over the next like 24 hours is uh, is The Outsider, the Stephen King series. Oh, yeah. I do want to watch that too. And I want to catch up on season two of Westworld because season three um, – uh, starts tomorrow. Uh, I only had like three episodes left, but um, unfortunately we didn't finish it off. Um, so I would like to kind of watch that before that starts up. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of good stuff up th- out there and you guys uh, uh, will we'll find something. That everyone, I'm curious to see everyone's letterboxed over the next little while. Um, uh, breaking news also, uh, we just talked about it earlier in the show, but the Batman is oh, shutting is? down production for the next couple weeks. Well, that's good. Um, yeah, I just saw that. Uh, Justin Kroll just uh, uh, breaking the Batman j- joined shutdown club, taking two week hiatus as of right now. Um, so we'll see if other Warner Brothers <laughs> kind of stuff still going into production. Suit. I doubt the Fantastic Beast. Yeah, <laughs> no one wants it, but here you go. Um, okay, uh, as the news, we we talked about most of the news. The one piece of news that uh, I did want to talk about, which was, um, you know the bright spot before all this kind of uh, shittiness came about was that uh, HBO announced that they are doing a, right. Uh, it's I guess kind of it's fitting. kind of topical <laughs> too. Um, with, uh, yeah. Kind of fitting um, right before all this. I mean, as this stuff was happening, they announced that they are doing a last of us uh, TV show on Craig HBO um, with uh, uh Craig Mazin and Neil Druckmann, who is the um, co-director and co-creator of Last of Us, um, he will be writing the scripts with uh, Craig Mazin, and um, and that will be on HBO probably. You know, probably I, I would assume twenty twenty two 
maybe 2021, but uh, no date, but they did announce that it is coming. Uh, this will replace that the, the movie version, which was in the works originally with Sam Raimi's company and Sony Pictures and PlayStation Productions. So um, they announced that, uh, which was super, super exciting. And I kind of forgot that they did that because of everything that's gone on over the last week. Uh, and then they recently announced that uh, Gustavo uh, Santiola, Gustavo I, I don't know how you pronounce it, but that's the good. Yeah. Uh, he uh, is also returning. He did the score for the game and he will be doing the score for the television show. So um, already moving forward, stuff like that is super, super exciting. Um, don't know. Uh, I mean, there's tons of people suggesting casting out there and, and, and directors and things like that. But anyways, I, I wanted to get your thoughts on this, Eric. I know uh, you've heard me talk about the last of us for probably, you know, the la- the better part of seven. Yeah. I'm excited for it, years. especially to see a version that I will. Cause again, I'm not a video game guy. So not that I have anything against video games. It's just something I'm not, I just, I never really took to like the last time I played a video game was, n64 like in terms of like a regular player but um this actually sounds like the best approach to something like this and especially if you want to tell an ongoing series that maybe you know maybe they'll they'll limit it to like say four or five seasons in total but at the same time you can do eight episodes and you can make it an eight hour movie like craig mazin did with chernobyl which Kind of this makes perfect sense for him to follow that up because, I mean, Chernobyl was kind of almost like an end of the world type movie considering, you know, the nuclear fallout and, and what was going on in Russia at the time in the in the 1980s. Um, so for them to go from, you know, uh, fact to science fiction um, is is probably the, the best way to go. And if they hire people in terms of directors or have a couple directors that kind of really know what they're doing and get a writing room that's as conscientious as, say, the writing room for the Watchmen series, um, I think you'll really have something interesting here. And I mean, obviously, it also depends on who they cast in the two leads. And obviously, you probably know more of like who should be cast or like who would be a good fit for those two roles. But um, it's really exciting because as a genre fan – like I remember being really excited for the walking dead originally because like growing up as a kid, like George Romero, you know, Dawn of the dead and night of the living dead were, and, and even day were three great movies. And like, you'd never had a zombie series before. And like hearing about that was exciting because as, as a genre fan, like, you know, you don't normally get that kind of stuff in, in, in like a, a serial format. And then when you watch it, you can see like, it just doesn't work because they're kind of playing into the special effects and they hate their characters and they really don't know where they're going. And when they think they're like pulling a fast one on the audience, they kind of betray the trust of the viewer. And it just fell apart as soon as Frank Darabont kind of left, even though Frank Darabont, as much as I love that guy, you know, having worked on, you know, the mist, Stephen King's the mist and and Shawshank and green mile, he never was able to really kind of get to the place that he wanted to go. And obviously, you know, legal issues kind of came up and a falling out between him, him and AMC. So I'm excited with this because it also seems that Craig uh, Mazin, who, you know, started his career as a comedy writer working on the hangover sequels. And I think green lantern or, or, or something like that kind of 
is now found his kind of spot. And and again, listening to him talk to Damon Lindelof on those Watchmen podcasts, he seems like he is fitted for the long format and or the long sort of like, you know, television series style. And yeah, I'm excited to see like what, you know, you have been so enthusiastic about for uh ever since I've known you. So like it, it, it will be exciting to see how this plays out in, in, you know, a, a television format. And maybe this will be the first great video game adaptation. Yeah, I think it has the potential to be, I, I think involving Neil Druckmann as a co-writer um, on the entire project and a, and a producer um, is super smart uh, involving Naughty Dog, the company that's behind the last of us as producers and production partners, I think is, is incredibly smart. And it seems like they are going to adapt the game. And I think a television format makes the most sense. Cause I feel like video games, I guess the biggest problem when you're adapting them, I mean, most games are, you know, at at least 12 to 20 hours usually for a, a, a single player story. If not, uh, when you get into things like Red Dead Redemption, even The Witcher, which people really enjoyed on on Netflix, uh, you get into the hundreds of hours uh, of gameplay and, and story. Um, I, I just feel like television makes the most sense. And I think that HBO, I have uh, all the faith in the world in after um, a, a ton of great series. Like, I mean, I've enjoyed the hell out of Westworld. Um, uh, we obviously, me and you uh, both were obsessed with Watchmen when it was recently on. You just mentioned the podcast that. Uh, Mason, uh, Mason. Uh, right? Uh, Mason, Mason um, was on with Lindelof. And um, yeah, I, I mean, I haven't watched Chernobyl yet. It is one of those uh, shows that I heard great things about and i think now that uh he's working on the last of Us show uh, i'll probably go back and revisit that but um yeah man i just I, i'm so excited having um gustavo involved to do the the music it just feels like they're going to to nail this and i i i'm very I mean, it's too early to say that they're going to nail it, but I think all the right pieces are there. Um, it depends now who they cast and uh, who they get to direct this. I hope they stick with uh, uh, Druckmann and, and Mason writing all the scripts, and I, I hope they have one director direct the entire first season at least. Um, that would be my preference. And then casting-wise, I keep people seeing people put out there. I've, I've retweeted a couple posters and things like that of um, – of Nikolai Coster-Waldo and uh, uh, Caitlin Deaver, um, who I think would be perfect. I mean, Deaver's a little bit... Ellie is supposed to be, you know, 14, 15 in the, in the first Last of Us game, although uh, the second game, which is coming out in the next uh, couple months, uh, does skip ahead 10 or so years uh, where she's in her mid-20s or mid to late 20s. So uh, however they wanted to, you know, handle the game, I think someone like Caitlin Deaver could play younger. Maybe they just age Ellie up a little bit. So she, maybe she's 16, 17 and not 14. Because, um, uh, I mean, she did recently in Booksmart play a high school student, right? So, um, but I think people like uh, I mean, look, Hugh Jackman, Black, right? um, I think might be a little... Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, he was 35 playing a high schooler in, in Tokyo Drift. So I I don't even think he was, but he looks 100. 
Um, I don't know. Someone like uh, Hugh Jackman could work. I've always said Josh Brolin would be great um, as Joel. Um, everyone always said, I mean, Ellen Page is way too old now, but when we were first talking about um, uh, The Last of Us seven seven years ago, uh, people kept bringing up Ellen Page. So um, you, you kind of see the themes there of the type of people that they would cast. Um, uh, Millie Bobby Brown people are throwing out there um, for Ellie, who would be probably the right age um, to play that role. And if she wants something now after uh, Stranger Things, that's getting into a little bit of a more adult, darker territory. Um, but still in that vein of, you know, sci-fi and, and, and genre stuff, I think that could really work. Um, and she's a big name, um, uh, after stranger things. So I think someone like that, they'd probably be looking at, um, Maisie Williams was rumored at one point for Ellie. Um, again, um, maybe when game of Thrones was first going, she's a little bit older now, but I think she still looks young enough that she could play Ellie. So, I mean, there's lots of possibilities. I don't know who exactly, like I wrote an article back, uh, way back about who I would cast in some of these roles. And I think some of those things still uh, apply. I think, um, uh, uh, what's his name from lost who was in the beginning of mission impossible, Josh, uh, uh, Holloway would be great as Joel's brother. He looks exactly like him. Um, there's uh, certain people. I think Donald Glover. There's a role in that in the um, in The Last of Us that I think he would be perfect for. And I think people who have played the game would know these characters that I'm alluding to. Um, uh, so I think there's there's so much potential, and I think HBO and and PlayStation and Naughty Dog and everyone involved will throw a ton of money at this, and I think it'll have the proper budget, and it just gets me really excited. It'll have enough time to breathe where it can tell this story and not rush it into two hours, um, and I feel like it could come out being uh, an excellent, excellent television show, and it could be a huge hit for HBO, and it's it's exciting to me because I know a lot of people are like why do we need to tell the story again? We already have this story, but it's for, I want to share this thing that I've loved for a long time with, you know, my mom who would watch this show probably with you who doesn't play games with Nevis who knows a lot about it, but and has watched me play it, but it's not necessarily something that she is going to play through. And like, I want to share the story I've loved. And I think it makes sense to adapt it for something like this and bring it to a whole new audience who necessarily wouldn't play video games, but is looking for that next show that could span a very long time period and could be the HBO's walking dead, or it could be their new new game of Thrones. I think it has the potential to be that good. And unlike Watchmen, which I think is great as a one and done thing, I think the last of us could obviously go on for, quite a long time depending on how they want to split that story up and especially with the last of us 2 coming out right now which is jumping uh in time uh continuing ellie's story it looks like it's going to be telling um the story of ellie's mother as well in flashbacks so like and and as the you know the the outbreak was happening and and what's ellie's backstory so i think there's so much potential there of this series and and for this to continue on for like you said five plus seasons um and I, I'm just so excited and it, it'll be my most anticipated anything, um, whether it's if they get into production this year, that's who knows. It seems like they're kind of moving along pretty quickly. Like The Last of Us 2 is in final stages before it coming out. And it seems like they'll go into pre-production on uh, The Last of Us television show right after that because Neil Druckmann will be going from 
The Last of Us Part Two to The Last of Us television show. And when they're hiring someone like Gustavo to do the score already, I mean, that makes sense. I don't think they would have gotten anyone else. But I, I think we'll start to hear, you know, casting and, and a director being attached um, um, pretty soon. So um, I, I hope we, it's next year, but with everything going on, uh, who knows? Um, it's probably going to be 2022. But it'll be here crazy, sooner than but, you think. Um, I can't wait. And again, like you said, like with yeah, everything sure. that already seems to be gearing up, I mean, I'm sure they even already had a head start because they were working on it as a feature for so long that they probably had the outline and ideas and maybe even a script sort of at some stage that they probably took now and have kind of retinkered with and brought it into a, you know a TV script format. So they're probably more ahead than normal movies that get announced at the pre-production stage. I totally agree with that because Druckmann was signed on to write the the film script solo. So I think partnering him with someone with a little bit more experience in all of this, like uh, Craig Mazin is, is perfect because he can probably take that film script. That was probably maybe a little bit too long. And, um, and uh, Sony got a little bit of cold feet, maybe with some of the, I don't know whether it's the risks that they were taking or some of the, the content that's in that game. Um, I think HBO will be a, a great partner in just kind of giving them the freedom to, um, do what they think is best. And it looks like Mazin is a huge fan of the game and stuff like that too. So having the creator of the game work on the scripts with a, a veteran writer, I think is absolutely perfect. And yeah, like you said, they might be farther along than we think because they have both the outline of the actual game and probably the second game, as well as this film script that Druckmann wrote um, that never actually, you know, made it through. Um, so yeah, I, I absolutely can't wait. Can't see, wait to see who they, uh, they cast. Um, everyone, if you go on my Instagram, I forget the artist's name, but like he did a really awesome poster with Nikolai Coster-Waldo and, and Caitlin Deaver. And I'm just like, I can't get that out of my head now, but I think well, Josh Brolin's Brolin also, also now doing great. a TV just, series. Uh, so like really, I could see him maybe thinking of doing that as well, because I'm sure the show he's working on now for Amazon, I think, um, is like a limited run or like it's like a test run. And I feel like also, again, you're getting a lot of actors now that are doing both film and television and television isn't that thing where it's like it's only for, you know, actors, movie stars whose careers have been washed up. Like now we're at that place where, you know, the golden age and peak television is over and it's become as important or maybe even more so than than films in the way that to, to get an audience. So you're seeing like a limited series with like big name stars pop up or, 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 or be in them for, you know, eight episodes overall. And I think uh, one of the big ones that kind of really kicked that off was obviously going back to HBO was True Detective. Yeah, 100%, man. So um, I I can't stop thinking about this, and it is that one um, you know bright spot at the end of the tunnel. So um, yeah. I think we'll finish off there. Um, thank you all for listening. I know this has uh, been a little bit of a weird episode and a weird time, but I hope uh, these two past hours have taken your mind off things, even though the first hour was dedicated to exactly what's going on. Um but thank you for listening. Um, stay safe out there. Uh, wash your hands. Um, practice social distancing. Try to avoid large crowds. I'm not trying to 
preach and tell you what to do, but I really believe that uh, this is the time to maybe, you know, just, just if you can work from home, if you can try not to go to the movies or, or go out to restaurants or bars and things like that, just hang out. I know you'll go a little stir crazy, but you know, still go get some exercise, get some fresh air, walk around. But, um, I really do think we need to kind of nip this thing in the butt. And the best way to do that is to do this social distancing. And, um, I know we are social beings at heart, but if you can do something like this, uh, call your friends and family, you know, start a podcast during this time. I don't know, uh, Skype people, FaceTime people still have that social interaction, but just try to stay safe out there and, 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 uh, we can nip this thing in the bucket, but, and we'll, uh, get back to regular life sooner, yeah, uh, hopefully, uh, rather than later. Eric, I don't I think know that's a perfect way to end go. on. Yeah. Uh, Appreciate it. And, uh, we'll try to be back. I think, um, if this worked well, um, the podcast will, uh, you know, and we might even be able to be, do it more frequently because Eric won't have to, we won't have to arrange our schedules for Eric to come down. But uh, I think for the time being, we will do this remotely. Um, we'll try to continue to do this once a week. Um, I think that's possible and we'll, we'll catch you guys up on, uh, how our self-isolation is going what we've been watching at home. And I'm sure there'll be yeah, and I'm sure there'll be more and more news dropping over the next uh, week or so about uh, the entertainment industry. So we'll be back to talk about all of that. So uh, thank you all for listening. Um, as always, my name's Matt Rohrbeck. You can find uh, all of my work around the internet, uh, mostly at untitledmoviepodcast.com. And you can follow along on what I've been up to and what I'm going to be get up to during these uh, wild times on all of the social medias, but I'm mostly bumming around. Uh, letterboxed and twitter oh and also to you can check out our um social media accounts for this show or this website uh untitled movie podcast at under uh, untitled underscore uh podcast right yeah cast yes no, cast un- sorry untitled um, underscore cast and we try to keep as updated as possible on those as well and and that and rate and 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 review uh this show on iTunes and and you know every little bit helps and uh you can find more of my work at rogerstv.com slash cinema scene and i'm also on the social medias uh specifically twitter instagram and letterbox where you can see my latest reviews of watching four rewatches of uh, Friday the 13th movies, which were all terrible uh, at EM6211. Until next time. Uh, Until next time, wash your hands. And wash your hands. Bye, everybody.